Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andre from the Opinionated Podcast, and I just want to remind you that we are live every Sunday on our Facebook page, and you can find us wherever you stream your music at the Opinionated Podcast. We drop a new episode every Tuesday. So remember to like, share, comment, and don't forget to subscribe. Enjoy the show. All right, we're ready. So let's uh, <laughs> let's get into it, Vinny. Man, uh, <laughs> you got a special. We were just looking at your profile, and we was like, special guest, very special. Oh, sweet. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, man, we were just going over your profile and, and reading the shit. I'm like, dude, you had your hands in so many pots. I'm like, we have to get this guy. <laughs> but saying that, yeah, I'm like saying that, like. Like, where did, like, where did, it, how did you start? Like, how did yeah. you get into the business to begin and, like, tell, like, how you got to be who you are today? Funny, right? It's like, how, why you? Why you? By the way, I didn't think about that question until I was 40. Imposter syndrome is no, in my 20s, I'm cocky. I'm arrogant. You know, the world is so small. I know, I'm limited by the beliefs that I think I know. So I was invincible, to be honest. I have a lot of fortitude. Um, I didn't like being compared to other people. So I tried to do different things. Like I, I went out of my way to make sure that like, uh, and maybe this is bad to say, but like part of my defense mechanism, my, my coping mechanisms as like a teenager were like, don't, don't do anything that everyone else is doing. Cause then they're faster than you. They're, they jump higher than you. They make more than you just do something that's so radically different that people can't compare themselves to you. It's literally my, like my MO and, and, and and be surrounded by talent. Yeah, yeah. Like in my late my late teens, this has become like what's going to get me through. What's going to get me out of my bubble? I don't know. I I don't know why I believe. I lived in I lived close to Manhattan. I lived in from Staten Island. Okay. And Broadway wasn't fancy or or extravagant the way it is now. It's not safe <laughs> the way that it is now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Is anywhere safe? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, right. Like is anywhere safe. But yeah, exactly. I'm I'm thinking back when MTV when 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 New York looked like the Batman version of New York <laughs> before Disney and, and TRL got there, right? Man. Um I don't know. I don't know what it was, you're but talking about, you're talking eighties. <laughs> yeah, 80s, yeah, early 90s. <laughs> to think like that though, at that at that young, I don't I don't think I was thinking of anything but, you know, women and how to get more women or how to, you know what I mean? Like I, I wasn't that mature at that age, you know what I mean, to have that, that thought process locked down. Oh, I'm not saying that I wasn't thinking about guys and women <laughs> everywhere yeah. at, that, at yeah. that point, by the way, <laughs> um, as I figure out my own journey then. But you know what I was obsessed with? I was obsessed. Like I went to school. I went to college from 95 to 99. Those were big years in tech. Like, I mean, I saw the hard disk come and go VHS to get beta to VHS to micro VHS. I, I was I was prepared. I, I was the dude on my campus I like scanned all his friends photos in, into the scanner so they can have like, I don't know, geo cities pictures or like, I really didn't have Friendster, you know, like I was that yeah. guy. <laughs> Even when I got to MTV for the 10 years I was there, uh, you know, I, I, it's the access I really think is the access I had to that computer center that like, that helped me tremendously I, fixing everyone's papers turned into turn how why I use different fonts on different shows and show Bibles or show pitches and all these different reports turned into casting one sheets. It's so weird to say I, I was in that computer center for so long that I got good at databases and I took out an ad on backstage, which is like a place where you go to find uh, a non-union talent. And I said like, I'm, 
I'm looking to build my casting file. Send me your, your, your headshots and resume. I had like 700 submissions sent to school. So I was like in the computer center, plugging away, figuring out how to, you know, <laughs> you just had one do. of those minds. You had one of those minds, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you know what yeah, though? Because- I, still, I have to build it. I have to build it before I can cre- that's why I think reality, I mean, I have is to take zero credit in creating reality, but being there during the explosion, I think that I did so well in that reality world of of television because you're giving me so much to work with. I I can work with that. Um I I trust me and you. I trust me with me and you quicker than I would just trust me alone, especially back then. Meaning I didn't believe I had talent. I believe that I had to collaborate with people to tap into my inner talent because I didn't think I had talent. But if I hung out with people who had talent, things seemed to work out. And for a long time, I built my friend group, my career group, and and then your career group and your friend group become the same thing. Right. That's where it's like, that's where it gets good. <laughs> and then they go, and then they go in all these yeah, different directions. I'm not the one that went in different directions. They go in different directions and they bring me along with them. And I think that's the coolest part. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's exciting. But like, like you talk, talking about MTV, you was at MTV at coming in that, at the height. Cause I think what, uh, at that time it was, you said the early nineties, 97, you had just had Yo and TV rap starting to go off. Then you had my favorite, one of my favorite shows, Beavis and Butthead which everybody yeah. was into and then you start getting into the reality shows the real world and role rules so like mtv like to be on mtv you had to be somebody to be in that building oh yeah so, i so, i thought yeah, so, so too. <laughs> 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 um, i wasn't i was so no that one leads in that me building to... but i was just someone who met no to be it's so weird i was not hired for what i knew it was hired i was hired i was hired because of my database i got hired to do want to be a vj uh, cast and choose or lose team. So I, I was always doing these big nationwide searches. So, uh, I worked on Fox News, Hannity and Combs first. And then, and then a producer brought me over to MTV and a producer brought me inside MTV. And I kind of, and then w- when they were ready to build the talent development department, there I was the guy who could wire two VCRs together to edit when all the executives were spending $5,000 in the edit bay because they didn't know how to wire to these or, or have the time, <laughs> to be honest, to understand how to pause, record, pause, record, and edit, you know, on two VCRs. And I had the infrastructure. I, I was like, I digitized my bosses. I was the one that went around the building and I was like, we need to put our, our information in digital. We shouldn't have these Rolodexes anymore. We need, we're going to know more people than we like. I was this person who's like the pie. They're coming. Technology's coming. Technology's coming. <laughs> yeah, bro. I got to MTV. Like I mean, what was yeah. that? It was, uh, what was it called? Uh, Naps- Napster? No. Yeah, Napster. Comes Napster. Came out, like, Napster. Right, when, was, in 1999, yeah, right? Crash my computer. <laughs> crash my computer about a billion times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, if you, listen, if you, could, if you could actually set the time on the VCR, though, yeah. then you, you were a wizard. Yeah. You're a wizard. So no, you were I was beyond like, the, slow play, <laughs> long play. I had that all figured out. Put the tape oh over God. the little thing you can, or you can pop out the lock on on the uh, on the VCR on the tape so it doesn't record over it. No, I got to MTV. I got to MTV just as Ed and Dre, just as Yo MTV was 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 sort of was had left already. Uh, Tyrese was at the network. Tyrese was holding down uh, the, the conversation, and when Tyrese left. It was our department's responsibility to to find that replacement. Um, I think it was tech 
to be honest, tech from uh, from from real world Hawaii. He was the host of Direct Effect. Like between Ananda, first it was Ananda for a long for like three or four years. Ananda is the one who brought me into MTV. By the way, that's like the one you say the one person can change your life. Ananda changed my life in like in an hour. She picked me out of the out of the crowd in Times Square. I got to ask Whitney Houston a question. I was all ready. I was oh, going to ask her what it. What, I was going to ask Whitney, what's it like recording with Mariah Carey on the Prince of Egypt soundtrack? And then when the stage manager points to Whitney and she points, she points me out where I am, and she goes, "He's going to ask you the question." And she reads the question, and I see Whitney say, "I'm not answering that question." <laughs> Classic Whitney. I was like, "What?" Just <laughs> like no. And Adada was like, "Oh, honey, it's not going to work out." But thank you so much. I was like, "If you need anything, I'd love to come back." And she's like, "Tomorrow we're doing a very Busta Christmas special," and I was like. Wait, I want to come to a very Busta Christmas special. That's are you kidding me? That that's sounds like a like throw me in the audience on that. And she's like, here's a casting director. And he's like, if you have like 20 friends, it's a, a suddenly now there's a chair and Busta is gonna go through and just kind of like read Christmas carols and, and kind of do it in his own way. So every time that that, that circulates, you see me like 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 a romper room, I'm like the dude on the floor, like <laughs> swaying side by side, just being part of pop culture and happy happy to bring and I'm bringing people in. This is what Ananda did. She let me, she kept the door open wide enough <clears throat> for me to get my foot in, so I can start bringing people in. And, and when you can when you can prove yourself to be a source, especially to a platform like MTV, where there's so much movement and they had just moved into Times Square and there was a lot of growth happening. I came in at a time where I could like reveal that I had some access to some talent, by the way, mostly because of that 700 person blast that I put out when I was in school. So that worked out well. Yeah. Um, although I felt bad for them when they're coming to like episodes of like sitting in the audience of the Tom Green show and they have no clue what that's about. And then when they're getting <laughs> – like vibrators thrown at their laps and like all the weird, you know, cockroaches, like the weird things that Tom oh. would do. So, but you know, it's been a blast. I can't I remember that show. Blast. Yeah. Would, that would was you, like where it started. You know, would you say that was like one of the best ages of television, like back oh, in there? Yeah. Cause, cause as you're going through like all of the, all of the shows and all of the things you had to go through to get on these shows and, and what you brought to the table, I'm just reminded of, how good television was and how much thought was actually put into the production of these shows. And now yeah. it's all reality, but kind of like, you know, it's you not, know what I mean? It's not the reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, the opinionated podcast. No, I don't know what you mean. Say it. <laughs> it's kind of trashy. You know what's changed though? The audience, I got to say it as, as much as you're going to give them. I, I used to give MTV a lot of credit. It's like an X, you know, like you wish them well, they did really great. It just didn't end up working out. But then I, now I'm like, but she's changed. She's a whole different beast now than when I dated her MTV. What MTV had though back then was us. We, we watched tele the youth culture, watched television, and moved on it. And and like I, like as I said, I worked on like Wanna Be a VJ, and and I got to go out in the field and meet thousands of people. And I was in a room one on one with them, interviewing them one on one back then, twenty five years ago. And those people have turned into podcasters and news correspondents and journalists and housewives and like all these places in media that they all fall into. To be honest, that's why I'm hyped about what's happening in podcasts right now. Everyone's like, is it too yeah. crowded? I'm like, too crowded. I worked at, I worked at MTV until I left MTV in 07, and people say reality TV didn't start until 2010. What? 
because of the housewives. Are you kidding me? No. Plenty wow. of time. Plenty of time to make no. my impact here. <laughs> Are they well, kidding me? Yeah. The, the first show, the, my first, my first, uh, like introduction to reality show was the one, uh, was, um, the one Flavor Flav was on way before oh, yeah. he had Flavor of Love. It was him. Yeah, who was it? But they it were all in the house together. Like, it was him, Vanilla Ice, yeah. Celebrity. I think it was Celebrity a, Something. Like, that was my intro. <laughs> no, was it the Surreal Life? I, I can't I remember, so. but I would watch that every Not day. Important. No, it was important. It was like that was like my introduction into reality TV. Like that in the real world. The real world at the time was like, how did they get these people to live in this house? And why are they always fucking fighting for having sex? Like, how do I be on this show? Yeah, <laughs> it was. was it wasn't surreal. Like, life. Just... Surreal life was like part of what VH1 called celeb reality back in the day. That was really the that was the construct of celebrities living in a house together, and what could it sort of like the the celebrity Big Brother version that came out that really put them on the map, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which. Uh, uh, speaking ahead, of something like the Big Brother, I'm yeah. going to get in trouble if I yeah I'm going to get in trouble. I don't ask you this question. My wife is going to bust me upside my head. <laughs> yes, Big Brother, Survivor, Fear Factor. You had a, a hand in this show called The Challenge that I think it comes every Wednesday. My wife leaves the room, <laughs> make sure she doesn't fucking say anything to me. Goes there for hours and watches. I'm like, yo, this is I'm like, this is Fear Factor. She's like, no, this came out before Fear Factor. I'm like. <laughs> It did like OG, like when I was just, yeah, it was OG. She has me watching. I'm like, holy shit, like this is Fear Factor, Survivor, Big Brother, all wrapped in one in one show. Like when they came to you with that idea, did you look at it like, huh? or did you see like it, it could work? See the potential. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, by the way, yeah, challenges. In, in we're, it's, yeah, we're pre, we're pre Rogan, pre Fear Factor. Uh, at a point in time, I think in, in game shows where Anderson Cooper is the host of a show called The Mole before he even became a CNN host. So I can even go back really deep into into, into my timeline here. That. The challenge, you want to know the sickest thing? The challenge, Buna Murray pitched MTV the challenge. What they did was they they were looking for a way to, to grow the brand without needing more road rules. I don't know if, no, I, I said it. So that, it is the truth. That, it is what it is. So real world was doing well. Road rules stuck around because it gave us new talent to an, an excuse to do something new with 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 an audience with with talent that an audience was so deeply connected with because like at that point real world that we weren't seeing that they weren't seen as contestants or participants they were like special subjects of something we spent a year with or six months you know kind of scrutinizing and living with we had a real emotional connection to them to push them to a challenge was interesting because we were invested in them. So I think there was battle of the sexes and battle of the sexes Two, which Mark, uh, OG Mark hosts. And then I get a call that they want to have, uh, a get, they want to no longer let, let cast host it. They're looking for a host. And we, um, I got the call on Tuesday. I started doing my research and then that su- Saturday on Saturday night live, uh, Johnny Mosley hosted and he was like the Olympic golden boy and he was hysterical and he was in New York and the executive from MTV is a big skier. So sometimes you need to know how to speak the language of the room. Like, yeah. so I'm like, this is, and, and at a point in time where ESPN two is taken all, pretty much all the male viewers of MTV, there's no more rock and jock music festival, sports and music festival, nothing with an athlete is sticking anymore. 
And I thought, this is my way that I can, I can get someone in. And we got Johnny. Johnny is an Olympic skier, an Olympian. In the, so he's busy in the winter, but available in the summer. Then we ended up linking up with Dave Mira, God rest his soul. And, and Dave, just as BMX was exploding, got to work with us. He did two seasons. And then we had his busy, his pike season. He became the face of BMX quickly. And, and Johnny and I, yeah. I mean, and TJ Lavin and I met the very first Rock and Jock Music Festival in 1998. I'm like sweeping his, his Porsche. I'm like, I just want to have a, leave a good impression for this athlete. And I'll, I'll never forget TJ, we were friends three or four years. And when he came to New York, he just got a deal with William Morris. He actually, he's, he's a songwriter. So he, he got a music deal and he was so excited. He comes to his friend at MTV to tell him he gets a music deal, which makes sense. I can't wait to see him. You know, it's so cool. Big news. And he comes in my office and he looks around and I've got like flat out rainbow flags and LGBTQ everywhere. And, and at a point in time where, where it was, it was squirmish to bring up people's like personalities. TJ was like, dude, he's like, I had no clue you were gay. I just thought like you literally took all of my women away from me. I didn't realize that we could be in like working together. And, and we, we had this moment where probably things you shouldn't say at work. I felt so seen. I, I, I could cry now thinking about like, I'm here. I am looking for an athlete to fill the shoes of a show about the challenge, a physical, mental, emotional show about the challenge. And here I have this guy who I feel like is going to fight for my rights, whether I'm in the room or not, let alone when I, when I am in the room, it's mm. easy for me to feel like you've got my back when you're in the room with me. Cause like, I know, I know what that feeling feels like, like the gas <laughs> getting gassed, but here, here was someone who I really felt respected and, and seen and, he he brought it up in a way that was so embedded in, in kindness and in in comfort that it made it made me it made me fight really hard for him to be the one to get that job. And he wasn't who Buna Murray wanted. I only say that because he tells everybody that. Um, <laughs> but as one of his buddies who was up for the gig, and it was a it would have been a good name. You all knew you know you all would have known the names. And you probably if you followed you know sports back then, you certainly would now you know recognize it. But but TJ man, and then look at what he's gone through physically. What I mean, he he's like has some pretty near death experiences. That guy, Absolutely. like, so I can't I can't imagine a better athlete to be in that spot. And now the show is even bigger. Like now we're like on CBS. Now we're like, I was like, I was like, big. I was with Anissa. It's a whole thing now, man. I was now, just man. with Anissa like last weekend. She was in New York for Dave Matthews, and and I was like, how come? How come everyone's coming on our network? When do we start going on those other networks? Like I always see MTV on C, and we're, I'm gonna get my people from MTV on those big networks. It's nice to see the Miz doing his thing, you know, on big networks. The Miz, yeah, right. Oh yeah, it's What's cool to see him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he does not do. Yeah, you don't do that. That's John Cena. That's John Cena. Excuse me, That's John Cena. Excuse me. Jesus, bro. watch wrestling, bro. Like, come Excuse on, me. like I they used to stand the Miz in WWE. And it was like this guy is such a like he would like break the fourth wall of wrestling yeah. all the time. And Oh God! Oh, that. the suspension of disbelief is broken there. Oh, now I can't believe yeah. any of this. <laughs> Kills us to this day. So, so we're going to get to we're going to get to VPE TV, but I got a couple questions. All right. Okay, a couple questions. First one, I just kind of want to go off of what you just said, especially back then. Um, do you think it was um, a bit more challenging to to make the connections that you made? Um, in the in the industry, um, considering you know, like you know, like you said, the rainbow flags everywhere and all that. Do you think it was more challenging, or was it kind of just you know, you just kind of did your thing and 
you know, so that makes the, any sense. The challenging part would have been if I didn't work for MTV, but because I was inside MTV, I didn't have to please some of the people who might not relate to being marginalized or being from a, a different background or, or having a different vocabulary or skill set or, or even life goals or a life understanding. Um, yeah. I had to just speak their language, to be honest. No, I think that actually um, being me outside of MTV helped me. It helped me honestly show up in places where I can be humbled. And I love being, a, I love being a podcast guest. I love being a guest in people's lives where I get to, make impact is like a weird way to say it, but as a collaborator, that's what I've done my whole time. I go, what are people's homes? And then I shoot inside their homes. And like, I couldn't think of a safer place for us to collab than in a place that you've created that you have control over. Mm. So I think in a lot of ways, it let me, it let me show up um, in a non-intimidating way, especially with the ridiculous amount of talent that I brought to the network and got to work with, with a team of about 14 or 15 collectively in our department that kept bringing in people to our network. Um, but as a casting person at MTV, I didn't go out looking for, this is a weird thing to say, but I didn't go out looking for Lala. I didn't go out looking for DJ clue. I called up my contact at Def Jam who happens to be Gabby. He was a good person to now know. And it's awesome knowing people who move up in the, and I I call up my contact and I'm like, who should we be? Who should we have? And then she gives me a short list of people. I'm good. And by the way, first and foremost, those people are going to get a fast track to me because I can't wait to see who like the people I trust already are in my life. And I'm going to make sure Gabby, Erica, whoever it is that is, is a source for me continues to see me as a source, anytime I can get you more VMA tickets, or I shouldn't say that, but it happens. Back, it's politics, it's politics, but it's hey. so long ago. Uh, TRL right. tickets. Uh, you, you got a new launch with a new artist, and like they can host. All right, like let's bring them in. I got two shows that I'm looking for hosts on. Let's see if we can work together. Because I'd rather go to dinner with you and hang out with you and your artist and spend time with you than some other random person that I have to introduce to my world. Like there's like a weird piece of. You know, that that part of it that I who I want in my life. And those people, those connectors are big connectors. Those are people that that go on to be production company owners and, and EPs or showrunners of multiple multiple types of shows. Um, but that was a big that was a big thing for me, uh, was not to necessarily look for what I was doing because we worked with giant big those people ended up <laughs> becoming gigantic big stars and uh oh. yeah. It's, it's, it's in all the conversations. Oh, yeah. It's the details. You know, it's, I talk to a hundred people doing VJs or that means I'm talking to radio DJs. I'm talking to students in college that have college, you know, radio or papers or uh, journalists. And so I'm getting data points from all of them. All of that informs the alchemy of what gets developed next. So, so I'm set up to be successful because I'm not, I don't think I know what everyone likes. Everyone just told me it's pummeling over and over in my head. We just had this conversation. I just asked them where they get their music source from. I just asked them how would their friends describe your music taste? I just asked them all these things trying to figure out if they, you know, could be a voice of a, of, of, for music or pop culture on, on our network. And I take all of those data points and it helped me create. And that's what, that's what I'm doing. That's my sick trick that I'm doing now in podcasting. Same thing. Right. We all create different. We all distribute different, and we're all making money completely different. Wow. And and just because yeah, you went for you went back then. 
Oh, I was just saying about the circus back then you had, you know, you, you're saying the different, like you had BT, you had MTV for as the powerhouses, you had TRL, and then you had uh, 106 and Park, which is like, as a, as a teen, you will flip back, like, just because of the guests they would have, like when TRL had G-Unit come through, it was like, holy shit, like, y'all got the whole entire G-Unit here. Or BT would have, 106 would have Bow Wow at the time, which was the hottest thing. He was Mr. 106 in part. Like, you know, do you think that magic, like, that can ever be created back in the TV space where, you know, you got these two giants competing each other as far as, like, music and pop culture? Because you went to these shows to get how you dressed, how you spoke, yes. what music was hot at the time, everything. Like, that's where you had to tune in there to be in sync with what's going on in the world today. Yeah. Do you think that error is gone or you think that can ever be, like, recreated? Because, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, with all due respect, I think the error is gone. But, but could a new form of that come about? Yeah, I think I think in podcasting. So, for example, um, um, uh, we I think we met through Podmatch. Is, is that how yes. we had met? Yes. So there's this awesome yeah. platform called Podmatch. I actually call it my TRL studio. I love going down to Podmatch, seeing who's talking, who's doing what, asking if I can hop in the conversation and collaborate a little, see what happens, record a little bit, put out a little bit of content. And, and then I would go back upstairs and go about doing my work. And I let certain key people see the pieces that I'm creating. And I would retain so much information and I keep sharing it more and it changes the alchemy of my output and it changes every next conversation. I just today hit my 100th episode this morning. So I think this hey. is episode 104 for me right now. Yeah, by the way, thank hey. you very much. I'm doing and I'm and I'm literally doing the work now that I did then. Then at MTV, I was paid to meet everybody. So now I had to find a way to get paid and I have clients that pay. I have sponsors that sponsor master classes that I do. So I found I've created my own ecosystem where I can get paid and I don't have to get paid by networks to get people hired for a network where they may take a right or all rights or your story or like I where they're you're you're performing for someone else's IP. I'm a big fan and I, and again I think I got this because I worked at MTV with like it's weird to say Beyonce and Mandy Moore and Ashton and Jessica Simpson are like solopreneurs but they were like entrepreneurs of one with a, t a small super tight team that eventually scaled big and big but Absolutely. i know i know the power in in our stories and owning that ip and if i can help people us own our stories and make great stories help them be great story question ask great questions ways to maximize let not just amplify but aggregate syndicate um we're on you know is this podcast for example on imdb are you getting your credits on imdb is it a data point that's talking to google that tells google all the guests you've ever been on have been on this show are, are the awards you know being connected in, in, a, in a way that helping you get discovered i can i can now help people who own content leverage fame leverage content leverage visibility to increase their shareability so they're more discoverable and consistent, consistently more discoverable, not just like a one-time gig, but wow. building the ecosystem. So for it. How, how, how do you navigate with so many podcasts out there and, and being on so many different shows? Like how do you navigate the waters of saying these guys got it? Uh, all right. You know, maybe a little bit more time. These guys have it. Uh, you know, I liked how the show was laid out, but yeah. 
you know, the guest, the host is not really like popping off the screen. Like, how do you navigate the waters? Uh, as a guest, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled and honored to be here. Who I have, I have no judgment. I'm not judging or criticizing. I don't come in with a critical eye. My podcast um, strategy now is people, not podcast. I'll tell you what, there's some really cool things I've seen. Uh, I've seen things like uh, people who talk about mental health will have a disclaimer sometimes before their podcast. So I saw someone once ask me if I would read the disclaimer which meant that now I read the disclaimer. So when they sent me the email, it said disclaimer by Vinny Potestivo episode with so-and-so. And I was like, oh, this person's going to get me to listen to me and then share me <laughs> with everybody else because I did the disclaimer and they're going to get me on the interview. That is so smart. <laughs> like, or, that's or, pretty cool. <laughs> like, that's so smart. Um, by the way, intros, outros, you can think there's a couple of different ways I saw them leverage that. Uh, even for the ads, you know, I'm guilty. I'm like this close to finishing my ad. I have a bunch of people saying nice things about me, but I didn't put it in a 30 second ad yet. And that's the only thing holding me back from having a 30 second ad and everyone else and, and some of my friends podcasts right now who are begging me, asking me for the spot. And I'm like, I just got to do it. I just, I'm holding myself back because there's a little bit of perfectionism in there, but that's okay. There will be a launch date. I put this out oh, there because <laughs> this is happening, but you you know what? Yeah, you sound like my boy Dre right there. After, oh, yeah. <laughs> after after talking to you though, and um, I promise I'll get to a question. Uh, but after talking to you um, on, on this interview, I kind of get three things right. You know, three 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 major things that stick out to me that I feel like are important to you, and that's genuine connection. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, listening. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know what it is. And, and emotionally, connection. That's that's the three. But oh, yeah. because to like to to have all of these people trust you, and uh, you know, obviously we 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 read up on you, we watched a couple things, and to see the people say such nice things about you, that's not an accident. Nobody's going to do that just for the sake of doing it. That that's some genuine connection there. Um, with that said. Danielle Fischel, <laughs> who who was my childhood crush. Oh. We talk about Mandy Moore and Daniel. Yeah. How do you meet? Where, where oh did these gosh. people come from? You want to know? This is you? the funniest thing about the Danielle Fischel story. By the way, this is like pop culture. She so she, MTV did this thing called MTV Snowed In. Do you remember MTV Snowed In? It was like the the winter version of Spring Break. Right, yep. and um, we had in sync come visit us, and all the guys were able to bring some friends. And at that point, Lance was dating Danielle. Lance Bass was dating Danielle Fischel, and <laughs> so of course, this, this is the best story ever. And I love that I like I love that I get to tell the story now as an out gay man who gets to, like look back at this moment. Um, so I'm so thankful, Lance. He Lance has actually introduced me to quite a couple of people who've changed my life. Um, he brought works. Danielle. He brought Danielle. I think we were supposed to have like the, the Freaks and Geeks cast was supposed to do something on one of our shows and something dropped out. And we suddenly had a spot where we needed a celebrity to come in and sing karaoke. I think it was the pilot of Say What Karaoke. And long story short, that, and this is another Busta Rhymes. I love I love that I got started on TV in 98 because like my soundtrack is very Busta, by the way. But Danielle Fischel saying, give me some oh, more. My favorite artist. Yeah, is it? Uh, by the way, that's why I when I lived in uh, I, I lived in Dumbo for a little bit. He lived he lived in Dumbo, and I would always like I get starstruck. And I, only once did I ever come up to him, and I was like, I was in your very busted Christmas special, and he was like, Oh, 
It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess, I guess that would be, that would be my reaction too. <laughs> so you came to that during the day on purpose, and you didn't get paid, as I know. Um, and she sang "Give Me Some More," and uh, uh, or the version of it that MTV played, and it was a standout moment. And then three years later, when MTV was looking to take that show and bring it to spring break, and I mean, bring it to the summer house, when we were looking for a new VJ. Uh, Danielle's name came up on a short list. So we got to, we called on her and said, Hey, you know, you did really well in karaoke. It kind of makes sense. And if you ever want to host, you know, uh, come on in. And we, we met her in LA and, and it was cool. It actually kicked off her, her hosting career. And afterwards, after hosting on MTV, she went on to E in, in the Style Network and has done really great. And her podcast now and super cool. By the way, it's so cool. I got to work with the Panga because like I watched it. Like I was like, <laughs> my man that was like <laughs> see I that's mean, what i would that's what i would lose it <laughs> yeah yeah like, your uh, job sounds so freaking yeah. cool like i would lose my mind with being around these people i'd be like so nervous like yo i watched that show i listened to that album like well then he's got a job to do why these people cool i know he has a job that's the thing man like i, <laughs> well, I also mind. like i, I, I mean, think I, the coolest i've ever been is like i've what no go ahead no, I don't. No, I'm listening to you. <laughs> you are guest. You have the interest story, the interest life. I didn't like. I didn't watch MTV necessarily so much, but my brothers and sisters did. So like, Danielle Fischel was someone I got starstruck. Nick Cannon was someone that, and when I started working with Nick before before we officially did Wild and Out, like our, we hired Nick to come to MTV. To, to be honest, we hired Nick to come to MTV to replace Carson. Nick was most likely going to take over TRL. Nick didn't want that job that schedule and really fought hard to get while and out picked up. And it's actually a really a big lesson I learned from that kid. It was like, I say kid cause we were like so young ago. Right. Um, but he, uh, he invested in himself. MTV said, no, he went out and shot to, it was Christmas break. He and Christina Milian were dating. They went out, they oh. shot some footage a while and out. Christina's the, the original other, ju- the original other celebrity, you know, when you look at the format, and um, and then came back with tape to show MTV what they've and then how to go get cat and like how to get re- and then how to really show the level of like comedic talent that we could make. You know what I mean? And I look at Mikey Day and so many people from seasons, That's those first few seasons that that got their start there. And no wonder why it's it's a huge thing. And I see them. That's crazy. DJ so Direct and Nick didn't and like while in. Oh, I would say I would say so they MTV didn't, didn't want while they didn't want while it out. Not didn't, but like, like, uh, because yeah, okay. but- you remember they had to show your, your mama. Yeah, I am. That's, they had to I'm, show your mama. I remember that's on MTV where they were, when they were just busting. I'm like, why wouldn't you want wilding out? It was like a derivative of that, but with like top level comedians, not people you was finding off the street on the street. Right. And that's what's funny about your mama. This is one of my, like my epic fails is cause Wilmer, you know, date, uh, so, so I was kind of like Mandy Moore's talent coordinator. We met Wilmer through Mandy Moore because they, they dated a, a bit ago. And so we, we really kind of kept close to the, it's weird to say this, kept close to the circle. Like I met Christina Milian when she was dating Nick. Like there's really this like family kind of tie that happened. I don't know at MTV or, 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 or the circle was tight. Let's, you know, sort of just put it that way. Like it was, it, once you got in, Put you on a thousand shows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, as long as, I, <laughs> as long, yeah. And then MTV, MTV two, MTV three, MTV Desi, MTV.com, everything kind of exploded there. But, 
but it was wow. cool. It was cool to get to learn with those people that, you know, they weren't just talent. They had to get in their room as talent, but they turned it quickly into gigantic opportunities. And I saw, mm. I saw them take, take it really seriously, take it to the next level. And I saw, and I, and I, and I got to help them uh, shape their contracts in a way that I know that I was impactful in. Like I know when Nick was doing his deal with while and out, we had just, cut a check for the Osbournes because they overperformed. And then all of a sudden there was this idea of overperformance. The idea of overperformance in TV, I think comes up in about 2003 when there's a measurement of underperformance. So we value overperformance when we're seeing underperformance. Right. So the, the <laughs> question was like, what, what do you think, how many people do you think this network is expecting the show to bring in? If it goes higher, could we build incremental, you know, so like I know I got to make a really cool impact um, legally on how deals were structured at the beginning of, of of reality TV time as all those deals got duplicated and you know sort of um, add lots of clauses added for lots of different reasons. Um, but a really a powerful time to learn how to work with independent creators, uh, solopreneur, founder. Right, the, the easy. It's, you agree they're founder led businesses. Right, they are their product, but they're also their business as well. That that I can vibe with, and I I work with like QVC brands and Sephora and Blue Mercury brands. I work um, with journalists, actors, uh, podcasters who are looking for more distribution. So if you own your content, I'm like, and and you write a blog. First off, do you write a blog about every episode of your podcast? We will now. Well, here's here's let me reframe that. <laughs> One of the benefits of writing a blog um, for every podcast is is so that Google knows and understands what you're talking about. But I'm taking my blog RSS and I'm getting a Google News verified. And now I have people discovering me through Google who are taking my art, my podcast RSS and my blog RSS, and they're pulling content to their websites. It's my content that people are reading. It's my visibility that comes back to me. It's my content that's being aggregated and distributed. But I have to put my content in a platform that allows mass distribution like that versus social media where I feel most people are amplifying their content now. And most of what happens in social media stays on that platform or not even the platform. It stays on, you know, what happens in reels stays in reels. What happens in stories stays in stories. <laughs> you know, TikTok, TikTok, I think, is kind of – I hear TikTok is coming out with a, a secondary app for podcasters, kind of like how Facebook made us download Messenger to connect – you know, separately, yeah. but to me, to me, <laughs> Facebook. that's a game. That's, that's about market voice in the app store saying we've got the top three apps. You know, that's, that, that's going to drive me crazy if that's where we're headed. Uh, it, it, it can get murky, especially with that TikTok stuff, but yeah. that, that's a pretty cool thing. Now, yeah. I, right now I, I kind of see you um, like where we're talking about like business, you know what I mean? And, and, and how, how to get your business going. And number one, thank you for those, those tips. Cause uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to get right on that. But <laughs> let, let's talk about VPE TV. Where did the concept for that? Actually, can you explain it to our listeners and uh, just kind of go over where the concept came from? Yeah. I mean, for, first off, full transparency, VPE means a couple of things. Uh, Vinny Podestivo is my name. So Vinny Podestivo Entertainment TV. Um, also, because I'm sticking with those letters, I've created the verified podcast exchange.tv. What I wanted to do was create a space where I can collaborate. And I'm looking into the future and I'm saying, I got to have ownership. I want to have ownership 
The same way that YouTube wants ownership over all the ads and space on its pages, the same way Amazon wants ownership over all the ads and, and, and everything that you see on its page, I want ownership over the experience of content, the context of content, and I want to be able to find a way to, to scale. So VPE TV for me became quickly a way to, and again, to be a source, not a story. How, how could I be a stage? And in doing so, um, to be honest, reinvent my brand, digitize my brand in a way that I didn't do in television, but do it the same exact, I'm doing it the same exact way, except, except 25 years ago, I would have to remove my voice from this tape and then the network would just get you two and I'd have some videos and you guys would be funny and I'd put some, you know, energy to it and it would be a casting reel. And so I've been, this is Zoom, Skype, you know, talk through, this feels so normal to me. I don't mm. think I could – I have to be honest. It's technology that's letting me show up today. I don't think I would feel comfortable in a podcast studio or in a, at a TV network. My hands get sweaty and like I get weird and performative and may, maybe I'll calm down um, as I get through it. I'm about a year into my active podcast journey. We're having one. Um, but I, I look back at 2006 when – I that my first podcast back then in 2006, Fat Man Scoop uh, and his wife created a podcast called Man and Wife. Remember that? I remember and, that. Oh, do you? Yeah, they, that's uh, so crazy. My wife it, loved it. It was cool because back then you needed access to microphones, so the only place to do that was late night at a radio network or station where you could, you know, record. I remember hearing it, and I was like. I think that you guys should record this because I know he had the equipment. And I was always impressed that Scoop had that level of equipment, lights and, and, and microphones. I was like, you should record this in bed. I want to hear like, I want to hear like the body movement and like springs, not sex or anything like that. But I want to hear chemistry. Like I'm here. It's, you sound in a, you're in a sterile mm. booth. It sounds weird. And we took mm. that idea, went to MTV New Business, and we said to MTV New Business that this is a podcast. It's 2006. Their podca um, uh, podcasts are now on iPods. They're not on iPhone. Podcasting are on iPods, but not iPhones yet. That that becomes a big data point in 2007. So in 2006, we get MTV.com to invest in manandwife.tv.com, I think is what it was called back then. And then in 2007, when the podcasts become an app on the phone, I turn over to the development team and I say, hey – we just got a hundred thousand dollars greenlit for this like website series for this podcast you know wouldn't it be crazy if bet came in and like stole our show from us or do you want to do a late night talk show about so i'm like i gotta i gotta have i had to have leverage i needed right. to have uh you know um immediacy to it and i wasn't gonna to be honest i i grew up at watching mtv at the point where like uh, just when I was started to work there, like just when I became aware of MTV, to be honest, like so 97, 98, it's kind of when I, when I got to college is when I had, when I had access to TV, love, love line wasn't for me. Those weren't the types of relationships that I was in. I didn't, I didn't identify with Adam or uh, Dr. Drew Pinsky. I thought, I thought that a married couple talking about sex could be really fucking cool for the MTV demographic as opposed to two guys that are just basically making light of everything that comes across their desk basically is what it, what it felt like. Hmm. And, um, and I love that experience by the way. And then it took me 15 years to come back to do my own podcast, uh, to finally 
take the leap. And, and it's my life's changed since then. It's completely changed. I now have a, I now get to write a book. I'm doing public speaking. It, it all really happens when you put the work into it. But, but I found a way to put work into it without being overwhelmed one-on-one or here, you know, it's just the three of us. That to me, that's, I'm, that's digestible. I can process that. And, and I really appreciate what you said about listening. I can hear that. I can hear you and me. I'm not, like uh, numb to what what's going to happen next. That's cool that you create this space that we can create this space to be in it together. Hey, podcasting changed our life too. Yeah, that's what <laughs> so yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, man, I ain't gonna lie, it changed my life. It changed my life dramatically. I was going through yeah. something at the time, and I needed this. I just needed to speak to people, and it was just cool. That's why I love podcasting. It's most like you said, you did reality TV. And you loved it, but this is like real reality. There's no like, uh, stop here. We got to edit this out. We got to put this in. Oh, this mic drop. Oh, let's do It's just let it go. <laughs> people love to hear that. I think people love podcasts because they feel like they're in the room with a conversation between everybody. Because you ever go in the room and you see people have an interesting conversation, you just sit there and you just want to hear what these people are talking with. That's what I feel like podcast is. Yeah. Yeah, I love that part of it. I love that part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, so we went, uh, we, 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 we just actually went over our, what were we, 135th episode, Kevin, if you don't yeah. remember. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we, 136, bro. 136. Nice. Congrats. We, appreciate it. The honeymoon we, we, is over, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. The real work began a long time ago. <laughs> but I love it. And I, you know, I, I did music. I, you know, we, we actually both, uh, used to make, like make music, make beats and all that stuff. So this kind of came as second nature to us, but the talking and, and being able to be interesting, um, that, that was a learning curve, but I think we're getting it around 136. <laughs> you yeah, know we mean? get, yeah, cause we, we didn't, at, at first we didn't interview, like we didn't interview guests. Like it was like, it was just us picking random topics and us just being ourselves. And people was like, oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. And then we like, let's do the, we did a couple of guests. We have our friends come through and was like, yo, let's see if we can start interviewing guests. And like, y'all make the show so much easier because it's like, it's this natural conversation, these awesome stories, these backstories. Like, even like when we used to interview like book authors, like just talking to them, it was like, Jesus, like, I didn't know y'all went through this, just to hear their story and their journey and how they got to where they at. It's, it's so cool. That's why I love podcasts and like it, this right here is the best day, the best time of my life when I get to sit on this mic, talk to somebody, have a good time for a few hours, and then it's back to reality. And you're not exhausted. <laughs> and you're not exhausted, right? You're almost energized. You have more energy. Uh, uh, Maya Angelou says that creativity, the more you spend, the more you have. Uh, Warren Buffett says money, the more you spend, the less you have. I want to, I want to make sure people remember those two very different quotes from very different successful people and stop asking for our content to be emotionally and financially rewarding. Sometimes it's nice when it works out together in sync, but that's often not how it works out. So as long as you're, you're down for a nonlinear experience, I think you're being for success. <laughs> you know, and it's and nonlinear means being for the long game, right? Like there's, if you want short success out of this, you know what's going to happen in podcasting? <laughs> it's gonna, we're all going to be like Van Gogh. Like just when we're done with podcasting, then our podcast is going to get early. But hopefully we're around when it yeah. happens, to be honest, because we're early enough in this explosion of content that we very well could be 
you know, NASA could pick us to send us to, to send a signal to the moon. To, to, they're beaming, they're picking us from someplace. You got to create it to make it, right? Is let right. them take it. So <laughs> um, that's what they, and the more platforms that get created, the more content needs there are going to be. So that's absolutely yeah. cool. Cause I, that's what I think. That's what I think is going to happen. Like everybody might have this view. Oh, I got to get money. I got to get money. I got to get money off my podcast. Those will weed out the reg- the weed out them people, and then you'll have the people who are left is like, look, I just love doing it because I love doing it. Like I yeah. love being here. I love having these dope conversations with these people. With people. They don't like you. You don't have to be at at our studio. You at your house, but we're still having this dope ass conversation, getting these dope ass stories, and it's like, you know, I like because when I leave certain interviews, I'm like, like you said, the energy is like, yo, I can't believe I spoke to this guy. Like we had a. Who we had on Lynn May, like we talked to this guy. He's he started his own uh weed company, his marijuana company. He was just telling us how he got started and how, you know, the people we smoke weed with from Cypress Hill, he's sitting in there with corrupt smoking with method, man. I'm like, dude, like that had to be fucking bomb just to see these people in their element. And cause we was nervous at first, like when we started the interview, like, here's this guy we seen in this suit. Yeah. And, you know, he gets on here with an MF Doom t-shirt and I, I'm here with my Wu-Tang t-shirt. I'm like, I gotta feel at ease now. Let's, yeah, right? let's just have this conversation. Let's talk about some weed. Let's talk about your business, but let's just have this dope ass conversation, this dope ass experience, man. That's yeah. the best thing about, but there's a space, but there's a space for dope assness. Now that's the, that's the thing is that it, there's a space for it. It's, you write that down. <laughs> There's a space for dope assness. <laughs> There's a space. That it's not. It's not like we're not uh, successful in spite of having a moment like that. We're successful because we had moments like that. That's powerful. That's also, I think, why I show up now versus back then. And I show up and I, I you know, get a little stutter and I got some mannerisms and double sayings and the, you know whatever. The, intricacies were all supposed to be perfect that i don't care i i try to get better slowly i'm changing slowly i'm moving so quick you might not see it <laughs> doing good you know that's practice practice makes perfect when when i'm ready to get when, when it's ready for me to be big and ready i'll be ready for it to be big and ready too so i believe in that right see i like that i like yeah. that <laughs> i think it's all about connectivity man it um, is it is about connectivity. The power of people, though. I do, I use the connectivity. That just made me think. So, I got to audition Beyonce for Carmen, a hip hop. Uh, MTV did a movie called Carmen, a hip hop. And I bought it. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was Robert Townsend directed it. Robert Robert Townsend created like Eddie Murphy or Raw, and like Robert Townsend was like an amazing comedic director. And I was more nervous oh, about wow. being in the room with Robert than being with Beyonce. It was just the three of us. When she was being interviewed, I was the casting assistant on the film. So it was just my job to hold the camera. But I got all crazy for some reason, I think. Like, he's like, all right, Beyonce, now do your lines. <laughs> Vinny's like, Vinny, you could be a director. This is your shot. Go. And I get like crawling on the floor and <laughs> trying to get like these like gigantic cinematic shots. And, <laughs> and Beyonce does her line and Robert turns to me and says, Vin, I don't need, I don't need anything fancy. I just, I need your, he takes my hand six inches from her face. It's not going to be in focus. All I'm looking at is her eyes. I can see she can act. I just I just want to look at her eyes. And I took that moment. I took that as like uh, I took that moment as like I interrupted something. I I created an energy that some way he's giving me a note instead of giving Beyonce a note. And I know during an audition, every every minute, every second counts, and we're scrutinizing all of this. And I remember just 
beating myself for years. I beat myself up because I was like, I, I mean, she got the gig, but still like, I was like, I can't believe I thought that was my moment to, to do something like that. Mm. And then as I'm telling the story in podcasting about a year ago, I realized that he wasn't telling me anything. He was communicating with Beyonce. He was sharing the vision that he had in his mind. He was letting her know that eye contact matters. It's the most important thing that matters. Nothing else matters other than eye contact. And he didn't even have to tell her it. And she received that message without being told you did something wrong or maybe you should do it this way. Like maybe we should just let people do things the way they, they're, they're, it's meant to be, but create a space where a shared vision can be shared and collaboratively we can get there. And I realize now two gigantic one percenter creators communicate. That's, that's the silence, the power of the eye contact and, and not wow. being so specific and, and expecting something from people, but giving them the space to step into it. And like, that's, that was a really cool moment. And when you said, you know, it's about, it's about the connections and, 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 and the way right. that we're connecting with each, like that was a big moment where I sit back and I realized the power, the power in a shared vision, the power in being, uh, uh, clear, clear, having clarity, you know, on the vision, the power of executing it. So it is, it's all about the power of people. And when, the clearer we are, the, the more we can share the end results and less we have to focus on the stories, the more we can prove that we're a source and not tied to the story. Cause I'll tell you what the story, if you're like me, the story's going to change. It's going to be standard definition four three TV. That's not even going to like make sense for social media. We get old. <laughs> media gets old, you know? Yeah. But those relationships, you know, God, God bless, man. I can't believe I went in with that mentality. I'm so glad I did. I, a lot of people work at MTV. A lot of people don't have those relationships that I walked away with. I'll never forget that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. <laughs> if, if you could leave our listeners with anything, what would it be? Oh, create. Uh, uh, I think that representation over perfection now matters more than anything. Get in the conversation before the conversation closes, before people misinterpret your presence as lack of interest. Get out there and have a conversation. There are some places and platforms on TikTok and Instagram where you kind of have to lead the conversation to stand out. There are other platforms, um, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Mastodon, some other the decentralized ones where you can jump in on the conversations. Like I, I, I'm having fun jumping in on other people's conversations and making connections. I don't feel like I have to lead every conversation that I'm a part of. And being a guest on podcasts is proof of that. And by the way, you could have a guest. You could be, have a podcast or not have a podcast. You could have a company or not have a company. You could have something to sell have something to sell or not have something to sell. There's a billion reasons why people are taking themselves out of being guests on podcasts. And I have to say, like, I'm here because I know that I could not have spent an hour and had, by the way, made two friends the way that we just connected yeah. on this, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. Also, the content, the content we just created in the whole process is ridiculous. And also, I can't wait to get some of those. And I haven't gotten a chance to talk about some of those people. So I always get excited when a, a new story sort of comes, comes to mind. Um, and then the photos and the social and the content and the blog. I mean, it's, it's just it's impactful. It's impactful. And, uh, and what we do next matters. So just that's, that's what I like to say is just keep create and don't wait for it to be perfect. I launched my podcast 
and um, I changed my strategy three weeks into it. And then I changed my format two days after that. I changed my thumbnails and I changed my album cover and I changed my, and I go back and I rewrite descriptions and I even change episode titles after a while. You can change all of that. It's all, it's all permanent. <laughs> it's out there forever, but it, it is customizable. And you do have, if you have control and ownership over that content, you can go back. And that's mm. where I think Twitter and some of these social networks that don't allow you to edit and restrict you from owning your content that you're creating. And I think that's the, that's the next big conversation we're going to have as, as creators. You know, we talk briefly about this decentralized world of social content. It goes everyone over everyone's head. But let me say it this way. No one owns podcasting. So that's the power of the people. Mm, no one owns yes. podcasting. That's not a, that's right. Verizon, not even a company comes close, by the way. Not even Spotify, you know, owns podcasting. So right. that's in us, the people. We, independent business owners, small business owners, brand owners, personal brand owners, we, that's powerful. Mm. If we use it, if we use it, it's powerful. If it's not, right. it's a shame. <laughs> no, right. it's no. Away. Yeah. No, hopefully we use it, bro. Yeah, we'll reach Man, out. You, I'm here to collaborate. Like, I yo, I <laughs> no, I feel it. Bro, you do, I really man. Do. I feel yeah. that energy, man. Like, cool. I really do. Like, this is a genuine spot. Like, this is a, yo, another dope-ass conversation we had, man. Yes. Well, there's I'm always so glad that you dealt with us, man. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know that. Yo, I love you, that. You see me in the five star review in like one hour. It's going to come up. <laughs> you exactly what I'm writing in your podcast right now. Yo, if anyone listening oh. to this and you don't believe me, come check me out in the five star reviews. Leave leave these guys a whopping five star. Tell them that this is the episode that finally got you to crack. To, to leave the episodes, follow, subscribe. Um, but yeah, I love I love that idea <laughs> of this. Thank you very bro, much. Thank you. Kevin, like, Kevin, I love Kevin, you, man, bro. Kevin. Thank you for, thank you for taking it. Listen, thank you for taking your time out and, and rocking with us, man. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate the energy you brought to the show, man. It was yeah. much needed. That's like I said, that's at the beginning before we got on. We just love to have a good time, man. You brought the good time to the show, man. So we thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Opinionated Podcast. If you love today's episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review. Five stars. We don't want nothing less. If you're an artist, actress, a songwriter, an author, or you're doing something that's interesting and you want to be a guest on our show, please email us at opinionatedpodcastddk at gmail.com. That's opinionatedpodcastddk at gmail.com. Thank you. Have a blessed day.